Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. All right, good morning, church. It is Sunday morning, 9 a.m., and we, we have got a lot to just celebrate. We've got Easter in two weeks. In fact, to help us with that, we have 200 yard signs for us to grab on our way out of here today. So here's my hope, that you guys would take that opportunity away from second service people, okay? So that's your goal as first service. If you don't have a nice looking yard, if you're that yard, please just pass on by that table on your way out today. That would be wonderful. Uh, more to be celebrated. Last week, we prayed for the release of a missionary, Dmitry, a pastor we support in Ukraine. And the following day, within 24 hours, he was released. Isn't that incredible? Uh, okay, hard to follow, but some more fun things that we're celebrating. Two of our worship leaders, Zach and Cassie, tied the knot yesterday. We got a picture of them right here, so you won't see them back on stage for a few weeks as they are off celebrating. And four weeks ago, you maybe heard it, uh, my wife Katie and I uh, welcomed our son TJ into our lives. Uh, we love him. And I can't tell you, I, I'm so excited for his firsts already. You know, it's like, oh, first time he held his head up, first time he, he clutched my hand. You're like, I can't wait for him to have a first bowl of cereal, first sporting event. I can't wait for him to find faith to come to his first church service here with Hills Church. I can't wait for him to be dedicated with our church on Mother's Day in just a few weeks. Moms, dad, sign your kids up. I can't wait for the day that he decides for himself that he wants to step into the waters of baptism. In fact, just thinking about those things has helped me think about my own story and my own baptism. Years ago, I was in college and my wife, she was then my girlfriend and a large group of us from a church went to Israel and were there. And throughout the trip, we had this moment where we came to this Jordan River. It's the place where Jesus is baptized. And I remember that being my baptism day. And I remember now, I'm a, I'm a sentimental guy. Everybody got a sentimental box where you hang on to a few keepsakes? Come on, you don't want to have to raise your hands. I'm that guy. And so we're getting to the Jordan River. It's my baptism day. And I'm thinking, I just, I just don't want to lose this day. This is so special. So I'm going to bring some of the Jordan back with me. And so I prepare to bottle up some of the Jordan River that day. I, no joke, I did it. I had a whole plan on how to get it back on my suitcase. And so I bottle it up as a special day, amazing day. And then fast forward two months. I'm back here, I'm living in Chico, and I'm commuting to Sacramento. I'm coming to Sacramento to come meet a, a dear friend. And I thought, this dear friend is so special. He deserves some of my Jordan River water. And so as I'm driving, I'm, I'm making my way. It's a beautiful day. But then out of nowhere, I get lit up, right? And the cops come up behind me. They pull me over. I do the whole thing. Your heart begins to race. Your palms get sweaty. And I just start thinking, what have I done, right? It turns out I'm going 65 in a 55. And those ones will sneak up on us if you've ever been there. And so I pull over and I start thinking, okay, I'm going to play this extremely well. And maybe I'll get a warning today. And so I, I begin to kind of get my composure, try to get my heart rate down. I go to reach for my registration and my arm knocks uh, the Jordan River water just a little bit. It's got a lid on it in the center console, right where I'm driving. Here's the problem. Uh, the way that I bottled it up was in wine bottles. And so I've now got a cop in my rearview mirror walking towards my car. I've got a wine bottle unsealed in the, in the cup holder next to me. 
And as she comes to the car, I put my window down. I'm thinking, I don't even know where to begin. How? I would not believe my own story right now. Excuse me, officer. Uh, This is not what it looks like. This is uh, water from Israel, this little stream called the Jordan River. It's the place where Jesus got, and I'm just fumbling over my words. I literally was doing this, right? Just thinking, please, I mean, do you want to taste it, smell it? What can, what can we do in this moment? And she just stared at me for what felt like minutes on end. She took a step back. You could tell she was thinking. And I'm thinking, yeah, she's going to want to taste it, right? That, that's weird, but how else is she going to do this? She takes another step closer writes something down, hands me a $500 ticket, and walks away. And in that moment, as she's walking away, I'm both, one, bummed that I have a $500 ticket on my hand. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, what could I have said differently? Like, and I look at that, that wine bottle of water from the Jordan River, and I just remember thinking to myself, if that water could speak, if that water could start to speak, and tell of the stories that have taken place over thousands of years, this moment might have gone a little bit differently, and she might have had an encounter with something pretty profound. If that water could speak, it would tell people like John the Baptist who helped prepare the way for Jesus. It would tell of Jesus' actual physical story of being baptized in the river, and it would tell of just thousands upon thousands, millions of people who have since been baptized in the Jordan. Here's the, the title of today's message. If the water could speak, it would say, goodbye old and hello new. It would talk about, it would say, there is an old life that passes away in the Jordan River and a new life that comes out of it. It would say, goodbye old and hello new. And so, hey friends, if you're here today, maybe you're new. Maybe you've been coming here for years. If you're here, if you're here online watching in a family room and you're tired of some of the old ways your old life continues to creep into your present day, I want you to lean in this morning. If you're here this morning and maybe you've been baptized before and it's part of your story, but if you were to be honest, like I was kind of honest with myself, even being baptized in Israel, somehow I let it lose its specialness in my life. If maybe that's part of your story, lean in this morning and maybe discover that reminder of what our baptism represents. If you're here this morning and maybe you've Maybe you've thought, man, the whole baptism water thing looks like a real funny Christian thing. Can we say that in church? Like, is that the smartest way that we do this? Lean in this morning. Great questions. And if you've never taken that step of baptism, and maybe you've been negotiating with God, maybe you're not even sure why you've yet waited to take that step of baptism, I pray that you will lean in this morning. And that you'll maybe have some courage to explore some new questions in your life. Amen? Amen. Okay, hey, the story begins at the Jordan River. If the water could speak, it would actually say we're all in need of grace. We're all in need of some grace. And here's the scene. It's a beautiful day like any other in Israel. And this guy named John the Baptist, he's not like the most popular in culture, but here he is. He's at the river and he's waist deep in. And he's simply baptizing people in the river. And slowly over time, a crowd would build on the shore of both people who wanted to get baptized and some religious leaders who were, who were starting to ask some questions about what was taking place. Now, here's the question you need to ask. Look, Jesus has not uh, done his thing yet. 
Why is he baptizing? It's probably important for me to mention that that baptism is not a uniquely Jesus invention. It's not a uniquely Christian invention. People were baptized before Jesus as, as a form of ceremonial ritual cleansing before they would enter the temple, before they would maybe enter the presence of God. And so the mere fact that this guy named John the Baptist is baptizing would not be a shock to the culture. But something about his baptisms felt different to the culture that was collecting a crowd. Something felt different that religious leaders were beginning to examine some of the language by which he was using in his baptism. He was causing a scene. So we pick up in the story in Matthew chapter 3. And it says, it says this in uh, verse 1 of those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judah. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's unique already. Repent, the kingdom of heaven, something is coming. Verse 3, for this is he who was spoken by the prophets Isaiah when he said, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness says, prepare, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Okay, so we're getting a clue here. John the Baptist is doing a different type of baptism. And that's what's attracting more eyeballs and more potential criticism than usual. He's preparing people for something. The scriptures continue in verse uh, four, I believe. Yeah, five, we'll skip to five. Verse four just talks about what he's wearing. He, he looked like someone walking around Berkeley, okay? There you go. Uh, verse five, and then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. Crowds are building. He is causing a scene. And verse six, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. He's preparing and he's helping them confess their sins. It says in Romans 3.23, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I, I love that a cornerstone of our faith, friends, is the, is the understanding, the admitting that none of us are perfect. Can we agree with that? That none of us are perfect. And, and that together we're going to confess our sin. And sin is simply us choosing things that are outside of God's hope and will for our lives. It's choosing things that are actually contrary to God's heart. It's not the absence of pleasure and enjoyment and life to the fullest it's simply when we try to take life by our own hands and do it our way. And so what's John doing? He's helping people confess their sins and he's preparing them, it says, for something greater. Our sins often lead to brokenness in our life, though. And if you're anything like me, our sin leads us to low points in our lives, doesn't it? It leads us to decisions and habits and things that, that we're not always proud of. It, it leads to this thing called brokenness in our lives. And we find ourselves with broken relationships, a broken sense of identity, broken purposes, broken longings and hurts in our lives. I was reminded just over a year ago, um, we're walking through our house one day and I noticed water coming down the wall, out the outlet. It's not a good thing. Run up to the attic, big old water leak quickly turn off the house water, call a plumber, plumber comes and he fixes it. And he says, Dave, I can't insure my work today. And I go, why is that? He goes, I, I think the internalness of your pipes are shot. I think you're going to have more of this problem. And I just ignored him. No, nope. thank you for fixing it. Also began to ignore emails that our community, 30-year-old houses in this area were having this same water pipe leak issue. I thought, that's not the case. Four days go by, my wife and I go to the beach on a weekend, come back home, and our ceiling in another part of the house is caving in. Water leak number two. And I stared at it for about an hour. And I remember just thinking to myself, uh, I turned off the water, and I thought, okay, I'll get that plumber back out here. We'll fix that. 
We'll spend some weeks getting this room fixed, new carpet, new wall, new ceiling. And uh, well, the, when that third water leak comes, maybe we just don't go anywhere anymore, and I'll just stay on top of it so the damage won't be quite as bad. And I started Googling, how do I fix water leaks, and how do I fix pipes? Because this is starting to not look good. And for an hour, I sat there, and I had to just come to terms with the reality of what the first plumber already told me, and that is this. You need to get rid of the old pipes. It's time to be out with the old, say goodbye, and you need to redo the whole pipe system to your house. And I couldn't, I had a hard time processing doing new pipes through the whole house. So after an hour standing there, we came to the conclusion, we're going to repipe the whole house. And that would begin a two-month process of no water, me borrowing hoses from neighbors' houses to keep the landscaping alive. It was a whole ordeal, and it was, it was a terribly inconvenient, uncomfortable process. It was expensive as every sheetrocked wall had to get opened up. The process of saying goodbye to the old in our lives and inviting in the new is a costly process sometimes, is it not? Is it not? And yet, at the end of the day, I had to remind myself every day that the cost of trying to stick with the old was not worth it, and it would be a constant state of returning to pain in our lives. Friends, John the Baptist is baptizing people, preparing the way, helping them confess their sins to say, guys, we don't want to stay where we're at. Someone greater is coming. And in verse 11, chapter 3, maybe we'll have it up here on the screen. It says this. He goes, look, I baptize you with water. This is John the Baptist. But, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that's good news. And he's pointing to something, a new way that's coming. He's getting their hearts ready for it. And sure enough, one day, while John's baptizing people in the River Jordan and the crowds are still gathered, everything changes. Friends, if the water could speak, if the water could speak, it would say, did you catch what happened when Jesus came to the Jordan River. And you can just imagine it. If we continue on in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 3, it says, And then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by him, to be baptized by John. Right about now, you should start to feel uncomfortable. Why is Jesus coming to be baptized by John? And it was an uncomfortable scene like any other in the New Testament. And so here's Jesus. He comes over to the crowd and he gets in line like any other. He doesn't cut to the front, he doesn't claim the Messiahship card yet. And he gets in line, and you can almost imagine the scene. John's baptizing people. He's waist deep in, and suddenly he's probably checking out the crowd, trying to figure out how long this is going to be today, just another day. And he sees the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And, and somehow their eyes, I would imagine, lock. And you say, how do they know each other? It's kind of like when you go to meet somebody for work at a Starbucks that you've never met before. You know how you walk in, you just somehow, you, your eyes meet, and you know you're looking for each other? John the Baptist has been preparing the way for Jesus, and I would imagine their eyes lock. And so John the Baptist probably comes, probably leaves somebody halfway in the water, dips them down, leaves them there, comes up, he goes, Jesus, and they begin to have a conversation, and Jesus just identifies, they're like, I'm here to be baptized by you, and John refuses him. He's like, you be baptized by me? What sin are we going to reconcile with you? You're the Messiah, you're perfect. That's a problem. That's confusing. Everybody else is probably confused too. Like, hey, why is he getting special treatment right now? What's going on here? And so the story begins to build, and the moment builds, and Jesus basically, uh, he, he insists that he is to be baptized by John. And so 
uh, let's see here, in verse 14, verse 14, we'll continue on. John would have prevented him saying, hey, look, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Verse 15 continues on. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. To fulfill all, we'll come back to this, fulfill all righteousness. Then he said, verse 16, it continues on. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened up and he saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove and coming to rest on him. Friends, we're in a series called The Real Jesus. And we're looking at who Jesus is through heaven's eyes. And this is a powerful moment where heaven itself opens up. And it continues on in the next part of the verse to say this, and behold, a voice from heaven said, guys, this is my beloved son. This is him. This is the person that for the whole Old Testament you've been waiting for. This is the person that you've been looking for and you can feel in your soul and in your gut and in the emptiness that resides within us. This is him. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And then, I don't know, God drops the microphone and things just go crazy. This is a powerful moment. There's that part in the verse where he goes, Jesus says, look, this is happening to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, this is part of the grand story. This is how it has to be done. This is part of God's narrative to seek and save the lost. And John could not refuse that. He couldn't refuse that that this is an important part. This is a profound moment of identification for Jesus. Number one, it's Jesus identifying with us as God's people. With the crowds gathered, Jesus says, look, I'm one and amongst you, brothers and sisters. It's identification, number one, with us. Number two, it's a moment where Jesus is identifying with God the Father. And we see that as evidenced when God says, look, this is my son. This is it. This is happening. And then number three, and we get more clues from this the later on we read in Scripture. This is a moment that we come to now find out in hindsight where Jesus is identifying with sin in a different way. You see, everybody before him was being baptized to, to, to wash away their sins. But that's not why Jesus went in to be baptized. If we flip to Romans chapter 6, uh, verses 3 and 6, it says this, Do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Question mark. Verse 6 of Romans says, We know that our old self was crucified, put to death with him, in order that the body of sin, us, we're sinners, we all, we all raised our hand, we all signed it, we all agree, we, we're messed up. The body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And the consequence of sin is eternal separation from God. But God says, I don't want that separation. And I've got a plan to restore relationship with us. That's called the gospel. That's good news. This is probably the most important part of the whole message. Jesus was baptized not to wash away his sins, but to take upon our sins. I'll say it again. Jesus went into the water to be baptized, not to wash away sin he doesn't have, but to take upon, symbolically, to take upon the sins that we carry and to soon carry them to the cross by the end of his 
ministry. This very moment right here is actually the moment where his public ministry really begins to take off, really begins to happen. It's the beginning of, of the gospel letter. It's the moment where heavens begin to open and you hear this voice and things begin to take shape. If the water could speak, it would say, come on in. It's the third and final point. Come on in. We've got John the Baptist preparing the way. We've got Jesus making a way by identifying with us. And then in Matthew chapter 28, we're going to see what Jesus says to us. But before I put that up there, I'll say this. In a moment, Jesus is going to invite us to respond to what he's laying out for us. And it made me think of a moment. I was celebrating my parents' 35-year anniversary a couple years back. Uh, in fact, many years back, we were newlyweds, my wife and I, I remember that, and we're leaving this really nice restaurant, dressed up to the T, right? And uh, there's these koi ponds by the restaurant on both sides of the walkway, right? And uh, my dad, he always does this. No one ever takes him up on it. He says, hey, I will give $100 to whoever takes a dip in the koi ponds right now. It's like nine o'clock at night, we're dressed up, huge koi fish in there, and newlyweds on a tight budget. My wife does not waste a moment. Now, before you commend my wife, she did not waste a moment, as soon as he said that, to push me right in to the water. She responded in the moment, and I will not forget that. It was like baptism by koi fish. I, I love that because right now, Jesus is going to invite us to, to help lead people towards fallen just to lead people towards baptism, to lead ourselves towards a decision. To, to identify with baptism. And so it says in, in Matthew chapter 28, we are in Matthew a lot today, friends. He says this, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, go therefore and make disciples. Go therefore and make disciples. Help people follow after me, Jesus, in all the nations, of all the nations, and baptizing them. And Okay, we'll just stop right there. And baptizing them. We'll, we'll go back. Well, don't look, okay? And baptizing them. In other words, okay, friends, here's the idea. Go, respond. Don't just sit on this. Don't just think about this for 20 years. He's like, let's be active. Let's figure out what it means to first, before baptize, to, to make a decision to follow after Jesus. You know, our moments of baptism aren't the decision they, 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 they come after the decision. It's a celebration of a decision that believers have made throughout the decades. Make a decision to follow after the one who will bring grace into your life, who can reconcile your sins, who came to die for you, and then, and then be baptized. And then join with the ages of believers in a symbolic practice, a symbolic separation of identifying with Christ that when we go into the waters, we leave our old life behind and we come up into our new life. It's a symbol of leaving our, our, the, the way that sin entangles us behind and walking into the newness of what God offers us. Baptism, the word baptize simply means immerse or dip. It was ordained by Jesus himself. It was an invitation by Christ in this moment, questions begin to come through our minds as we think about baptism. Like, hey, is there, is there anything special about that water that you brought back from the Jordan, though? Do we need Jordan River water? No, there's, there's nothing special about the water. It's good old EDH tap water that we'll be using for baptism. 
It's a symbol of what God's doing. People might ask, hey, is there an age requirement? Did Jesus put out an age requirement on baptism? I've heard that talked about a lot. There's no age requirement. But the way we read scripture is we would simply identify that somebody would be, have the mind to be able to decide for themselves that they want to follow after Jesus. And when they're ready to make that declaration, we would say that they're ready to be baptized. Now, I will say, as we think about young ones and kids in our midst, um, we do as a church love to lean into dedications. And on Mother's Day in just a few weeks, we will be dedicating young ones. It's usually kids from you know, zero to five that we dedicate here on stage. And a dedication is this. It's just a little bit different than baptism. Dedication is our decision as parents in a church body, in a church community, that together we want to raise young ones to know the Lord. That's our commitment, that we're going to sacrifice our time, our talent, our treasure, that young people would have the same chance at eternal life with Christ and life to the fullest that we've been afforded. And I invite you and I encourage you, parents, leave here today if you haven't already and sign your kid up to be dedicated on Mother's Day. Some of you are maybe thinking, hey, I was, I was baptized as a kid. It wasn't my decision. What do I do about that? And we would simply invite you. If you want to reaffirm your baptism, we would do that with you. We'd say, hey, if this is the first time you want to make that decision, we will affirm what God has already begun in your life. And we would invite you to be baptized in the waters. I know there's so many questions that come racing through our minds, but I, I, want, to, I want to go here. Baptism, we already knew, was Jesus' opportunity for him to identify with us in the sin of our lives that he would take upon. But baptism is equally our opportunity to make a declaration publicly before a church community that we identify with Jesus. That we identify with God. And it says in Matthew 28, to go therefore and to baptize, and we go on to the next slide now, to baptize in the name of the Father who created us and created everything, to be baptized in the name of the Son, who, Jesus, who gave his life for us, and to be baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, which is the representation of God with us daily. That's by whom we are baptized now. And that is a baptism unlike anything the New Testament or Old Testament believers would have ever experienced. And it's the reason that since that moment in history, since this moment in history, millions of people continue to go to Israel to be baptized in the river. It's the reason why we've expanded beyond the Jordan River to be baptized in churches, in private schools, in backyards, in hot tubs, in bathtubs. God is doing something remarkable where believers are joining together in one very similar practice to celebrate tangibly something God's doing internally in our hearts and in our lives. I know today it's nerve-wracking what we identify with, right? We're all mindful of what we wear, what we say, what we post, what we like, for fear of being identified with the wrong thing or getting criticized for something in our lives. Friends, I don't know maybe what's been blocking you from taking further steps in your life to identify with the good news of a loving God who wants to reconcile and draw you towards a deeper and more personal relationship. And so friends, I want to invite you this morning to consider or remember your identification with Jesus, to remember your identification with his grace and with his mercy in your lives. God identified with us so that we could identify with him. As we close, I just want to speak to those who have already been baptized. Make today a reminder. Dig deep into what Christ has done for you. And remember that moment in the water 
anew today and tell somebody about that story and about that season of your life. But to those not yet baptized in this room, I think if Jesus was standing right here, he'd just say there's, there's no time like the present today. And he'd tap you on the shoulder and he'd invite you to not overthink it. But if you've made a profession to follow Jesus with your life, he'd say come and celebrate that profession with other believers. And so we're going to give you a chance. Uh, we're going to close service with people being baptized that we've already got lined up to be baptized. And we're going to celebrate that like no one's business today. But then following service, we're going to give those of you that, that haven't even thought about it until this moment the chance to come forward and to be baptized. And friends, we've got you covered. We've got a change of clothes for you. We've got a bag for you to put your stuff in. We've got changing areas all set up for you. If you're here today and you're done making excuses in your life, and you want to step into the baptism waters, we are going to walk with you in that celebration today. It's exciting, friends. Um, I got these little notebooks up here right now, and um, these are some of the archives. Since the creation of this church 27 years ago, they've been handwriting everybody who's been baptized here. And you could just see pages and pages of names and dates on the first page is a guy named Ron Sims, dear friend. Barry and Kelly Schaefer. You keep flipping it, and you've got Ashley and Michelle Palos. And I just names that I'm so familiar with. And this is from 27 years ago. And the more you look at the names, the more you see these people having grown up. And then all of a sudden, about 10, 15 years later, you see their kids' names start to appear. And then you go a few more, you start to see grandkids' names appear. And you see generations and families all listed in order, getting baptized together, and couples, and single people. It, it's, a, it's a legacy of not just names, but every name resembling a story. And right now, we know as people step into the waters of baptism, they're stepping in with a story and a commitment that they want to strive to follow Jesus, leaving the old behind and stepping into the new. Amen? We're, uh, we're going to pray together, and, uh, and then we're going to have some communion. We're going to sing a little bit, and then we're going to celebrate some baptism. So let's pray together. So, Lord, right now, we thank you for these moments that we share together in the presence of you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for the, for the gift of your son, Jesus, who went into the waters for us. And so, God, right now, uh, we pray with excitement for those who are going into the waters of baptism this morning. Right now, Lord, I, I want to just... Um, speak to those in this room who maybe never made a decision to follow after you. If that's you and you want to become a follower of Jesus, all you have to say is, Lord, I bring my sin before you and I invite the forgiveness through Jesus who died for me to reconcile me with you, Lord. Today, Jesus, I want to follow after you. I also know there are some in this room who for whatever reason, intentional or unintentional, have maybe never taken that step to celebrate God's work in their life through baptism. And maybe you're feeling that nudge right now. If you're thinking today might be the day that you uh, get baptized, would you just look up at me right now? I think today might be the day, and I don't know what's holding you back. But we want to encourage you to maybe consider not leaving today, 
without trusting the Lord with this step in your journey and with your church family. So with our heads still bowed, I'll say this. We're going to close with some worship right now, and we're going to stand to our feet, and we're going to take the Lord's communion, the, the bread and the juice together. And while we're singing, if you if you're feeling God's stir to, to be baptized after service, we're going to invite you to make your way to the prayer wall in the back of the room, and they will uh, connect with you, answer any questions, and get you connected to be prepared to, to celebrate baptism after service. So church, wherever you're at, grab your communion elements and stand to your feet. So Lord, right now, uh, we... We come before you in anticipated celebration of those who will go into the water today. And God, we thank you that you are a God of celebration, that you are a God of good news, that you are a God that loves us. And so right now, Lord, would you meet us in our worship and would you meet us in our celebration? Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.